When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, Civilized Barking, Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd, early Tuesday morning, 60 or 90 minutes, maybe more like 90 or 120 after the Browns lose in Pittsburgh. Um, this was the worst loss of the year, Jason, right? Um, it, the offense has stunk for since week six, and this was the worst performance to me. Um, it was disjointed. It was lacking direction. It almost got the quarterback killed. The quarterback's not good enough to start with. Um, nine sacks, 12 carries from Nick Chubb. We hear he's hurt, no details. But they were throwing too much early. They were throwing it into the ground. They were throwing it to the Steelers. T.J. Watt was just teeing off. He's beating a rookie tackle one-on-one. Um, Baker had some things to say about that. Obviously, um, the Browns have been done. <laughs> they still had playoff hopes till yesterday. And wow, was this bad. Did I leave anything out? Uh, you left out the head coach who I've been defending all year and who is indefensible tonight as far as I'm concerned. This, yeah. this is probably I, – I think this is the worst performance of Kevin Stefanski's two years here. And I know they got absolutely drilled by the Patriots 45-7 to when they just didn't show up to play. So maybe I'm just being emotional and overreactionary in the moment. But, you know, it, it's, the, it's, the, it's the things that you just mentioned. But T.J. Watt is destroying Baker. Play after play after play after play. And you don't send a tight end over. You don't send a running back over to Chip. You just let Hudson get hammered. And it, I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand. You know, he said Nick Chubb got banged up early in the game. Okay, fine. But the Steelers have an absolutely atrocious run defense. And you come out and Baker starts the game one one of 10, maybe one of 11. I lost count. Bat, passes bad to back in his face all night long. Zero creativity. Just left him in the pocket to die, basically. Uh, I, I just I, – I can't defend. I've defended Kevin all year. He shouldn't give up the play calling. You know, this is the same guy as last year, but just a really, really poor performance tonight as far as I'm concerned. Probably his worst coaching performance, really, I, I think, of the two years since he's been here. Yeah, and look, um, you want to run the ball, and the Steelers were really, really bad um, at stopping the run. And, of course, they're not going to sit in their base defense, right, and, and let you run on them. And right away they get the blitz. And, of course, and that's when Stefanski's been good, right? Like – Run when you run and make it look like a pass. Pass and make it look like a run. Keep them guessing. You have to do that, right? You, especially early in the game. But too early, it got to the point where these passes aren't automatic completions. In fact, like it, it's the old school thought of when you pass, three things can happen and two of them are bad, right? And at some point, you just have to button up and run it right at people. If they're going to put eight or nine in the box, you still have to find a way to get yards. You have to keep them on their heels. And there were times that I looked, and they did chip T.J. Watt, but there weren't enough times. And more than anything else, 
it's when you're continuing to throw and when you're continuing to get in third and eight and third and ten and everybody in the stadium knows you have to throw. Look out. And it's like T.J. Watt was like a jump shooter heating up, and they just kept feeding him the ball, and the Browns were still blocking him with James Hudson, who doesn't belong out there, right? And so, of course, Baker's – and everybody's pissed about that. I just – the Steelers, they were ready for the screens. They were ready for the Browns' runs. They, they, the Steelers outcoached out everything, the Browns. Um, but sometimes the remedy is to simplify it. And for as poorly as it went, Jason, they're in the game. So at no point was it 24 to nothing, and you have to throw downfield and hope for miracles, like they like the two pass interference calls in the last drive, right? right? There was plenty of time to button up and say, we've got four plays to get 10 yards here, and we got to play a little smash mouth. Uh, Zach, it's starting to feel like tonight may have been Baker's last game in a Browns uniform, and uh, I don't know what you think about that, but, you know, he talked after the game about it's time for him to get healthy and he would talk to his agent and his family. He did not say he would consult with Jimmy Haslam or Andrew Perry That's or Kevin Stefanski when he makes that decision. He made it very clear it's between his agent and his family. Uh, it just feels like and I don't blame him. You know, we've been hard on him all year. I, I, I don't blame him. Um, you know, I've wondered all year. How differently would this season have gone had he signed an extension last summer? Does he have the shoulder surgery early on? Does the team encourage him to have it early on, trying to protect the asset? None of that obviously is true. None of that happened. And it just feels to me Baker left here tonight not real happy with the Browns, not not real happy being a member of the Browns. He wanted to make it clear he wasn't trying to take shots at James Hudson with his first initial remarks and opening remarks. Uh, but it just feels like he – I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, boy, I get the impression that he feels like he has not been given uh, the best position to win this year or in his four years here. Yeah. Um, let's talk specifically about this year, right? Um, and the Browns have thought now since these guys took over 23 months ago that they've done nothing but put Baker in the best position to win. And clearly they didn't tonight, right? But right. specifically about here, right, I thought that he – Made his point. I thought he made it clear he wasn't criticizing the rookie. Um, but, yes, it does feel like he's played his last game. And in, in Baker's style, he's going to share what, what's gone on. Now, we don't know a lot of what's been go, gone on. I know things got really bad, really ugly, and really contentious inside um, during the o- Odell thing. Right? That was two and a half months ago uh, as that came to a head. You know, Baker has made vague references in outside interviews, um, you know, to internal things, right? Whether that's more than Baker, whether that's he's having it out with Alex Van Pelt and Stefanski. Um, it's clear he's not getting the same protection. I mean, how many times all year has he found any bit of a groove, let alone anything when they sustained it last year and they were attacking in the varied ways we talked about? Um, to the to the larger picture here, Um Yes, it. the Browns absolutely have to go for an upgraded quarterback. And this is not all Baker's fault, and it has been bad. Um, and it does feel like Stefanski has said to ownership and to whomever else sits with ownership and to whomever else is in the room when these decisions finally get made, right, that I need a different quarterback. Um, we know that these aren't going to be – it's not going to be easy to find an upgrade. We know Baker's money is guaranteed. We know every, all involved wanted this to work because that's the best way. That's the cheapest, most efficient, best way and finally build something, right? But absolutely, Jason, we've been talking about it for weeks. Um, 
and, and I just think tonight might have been the point of no return, right? Like, it, it was an awful, awful, awful display. Like, it, it just was completely terrible play, play calling, plan, body language, passes, um, effort in general, top to bottom against this team, right? And it, it does feel like that it's probably over. And that's probably good. Let's just be honest. Because this, if they find someone better, well, yeah, okay, all right. So, where do you want to go next? You want to go about how to go, how go about that, or what do you think? I mean, listen, listen. I'm trying to write and I'm trying to process, and my headphones were cutting in and out because we're on Zoom. We're not in a room post game, guys, with the coach. (laughs) But the thing that stood out to me was when he said, "I have to talk to my agent and my family about the surgery," and he did not say, "I have to talk to coach." That 100% if, agrees. If that's Zach, the 100% one thing agree. that I have to take from that. And again, I did not listen to 100% of the press conference and the parts that I did, I was doing other things. It's always frantic post game. And it's especially frantic in a zoom and zoom environment, but that's the one thing I take. And that's most alarming. Probably most telling is the better word. I wholeheartedly agree and thought the exact same thing. Uh, you know, <laughs> the Browns would not be consulted. On, on his decision. And Zach, the fir- whole first half of this game tonight, it just felt weird. And it felt like somebody is trying to send a message to somebody else. And I don't know what, and I don't have the details, and I wish I did. But it just felt, and it's felt like that for most of the year. There, And, and we'll probably get to tell all, I mean, hell, we'll get to tell all next year if Baker's on another team because, you know, he's not going to keep that to himself. But it just feels like there's something really dysfunctional or toxic or something bubbling in that locker room. And it felt like it just felt to me tonight more than any other night. Like this is what you want at quarterback. This is what he can do. Like this is, this is what we have. This is what we're stuck with. This is what we're limited to. Cause they just kept running the same things over and over and over. And it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense for the opponent for the, the, the down and distance for the, nothing in the first half made sense. And maybe it's all because Nick Chubb hurt his ribs and couldn't carry the ball as much. I don't know. But it just felt like there was an agenda or or something was going on where they just kept running the same things and they kept putting Baker in positions where he was not going to succeed. And I just – I wish I had a better explanation, but it just didn't make sense. No, you're right. Um, so here's the thing. The only – We've talked about this, and we don't need to get into discussions. And and you and I will be the last two who get consulted when these decisions are actually made, right? But <laughs> we have talked about how the, just the general feeling has shifted almost from 80-20 to 20-80 on, of course, Baker's going to be the quarterback next year to, oh, my God, no, he's not, right? And, and I've been careful to say it's not all his fault, even though he flat out just isn't good enough and isn't ever going to be good enough, right? There's right. been a lot going right. against him. But the one counter to those things, and this is why I framed it this way, the one counter is, well, what's your better option? And I totally agree. I, I wrote it back in November. You know, we it's, yeah. it's been discussed now. It's not going to be easy. There isn't a straight line, and there's certainly not anything guaranteed. However, once you make the decision that you're done with him, you go get the better option, right? And, and you might be done with him for a variety of reasons and his lack of production and his maddening inconsistency would be a part of that. Right. And you take into account the injury and you take into account that you wanted to work and you ultimately take into account personality and 
trust and future health and whatever has gone on behind these walls that we've talked about here. But see, that's why I just, I can't say, you know, whenever somebody sticks their chest out and says, well, tell me what's better. Well, you have to make that, once you make that decision, and to me, it's, it's pretty clearly headed that way, then you have to be willing to accept that you're making that decision. You can't waver on it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's why, and that's why my counter to the counter of everyone who says that is, well, did the Rams know at this time last year Matthew Stafford was going to be their quarterback? No, but they looked at Jared Goff and said we have to do better, and then and then the pieces sort of fell together from there, and it just feels, and I think we said this before, I think I wrote this before, it the the NFL quarterbacks rarely change teams. We all know that the franchise guys rarely move around, but it feels like we're on the verge of some real shakeup in the NFL. And what does that mean? Where are all the pieces going to fall? And maybe it's not, maybe, maybe everyone stays status quo. Maybe, you know, it certainly looks at this point, like Rogers going to stay in green Bay. Maybe Russell Wilson stays in Seattle. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe Derek Carr stays in, in Oakland or I'm sorry, in Vegas, but it just feels like this is the off season where we could start to get real movement with some of these guys and it just feels like the Browns are going to be at the head of the list. And again, we can't give you a name, just like the Rams couldn't give you a name of who it was going to be. But they knew they had to move on. They knew they had to get better. And I leave Heinz Field tonight thinking that the, the, the Andrew Barry and Paul DiBodesta and Kevin Stefanski are in that exact same space. No doubt. Um, Jimmy Haslam hates losing. He hates this shit. He hates losing to these guys, right? He was a small part of the group. He knows this. He knows the division. Um, hell, they've been in Nick Summer makes 10 years since the Haslam's took over, right? And that's the thing. Now it's two twice in three years when the Browns have been hyped and the Browns have flopped. Um, yep. I don't think anyone's getting fired. But to go back here, like I said, I know that the, the Odell thing and the ongoing Baker thing have really been hard on a lot of people. And for the Browns to constantly – have ridden the roller coaster the way they have going back to that Thanksgiving game where they should have won in Baltimore. They didn't. They come off the bye week and win, but they fall apart late. The COVID hits. Um, you know, they, they're disgusted with the policies that change two weeks later. They still could beat the Raiders with Nick Mullins. They don't. They still could beat the Packers with four interceptions. They don't. <laughs> right? Like, uh, th- there's it, – it's human nature that – People look towards change or look towards next year. And in this high money, high pressure, highly volatile environment, like that's going to happen. So I don't think Kevin Stefanski's getting fired. I think the quarterback's getting fired. I don't think Joe Woods is getting fired. And the thought is crazy with the way the defense has played. But there's clearly some, you know, this is not Pleasantville anymore. This is fucking December in Berea, even though it's January. Like it feels like we're back today. And we know the owner is impatient. We know the owner is embarrassed by this. I mean, we're at the game, but I'm hearing Peyton Manning is just crushing the play calling. We know what the owner thinks of Peyton Manning, right? We know the owner has a personal relationship with Peyton Manning. This is the second time in nine days your quarterback went on national TV and absolutely flopped, and only COVID kept it from being three in 15 days. Um, like there, maybe, maybe it's just going to be the quarterback, but this was always headed one way, Jason, right? 
the the, the honeymoon was over, and the Browns were either going to keep ascending and they're going to have to worry about losing their coaches and front office people and paying everybody, the quarterback, Denzel Ward, all the guys, right? Instead, they re-upped the guards, which should tell you what they think about the quarterback. The defense went from getting absolutely blasted to playing awesome top five unit in the league. And the, the offense went from getting absolutely blasted to continually embarrassing it, itself twice now on national TV. The owner takes that to heart. The head coach was awful tonight and continues to flat out not answer questions about anything. So, are they being asked internally? Is he giving different answers? Is this all part of the plan and was some sort of dip anticipated or understood to be natural? Or are we headed for a real mess here? I don't want to overreact here at 1.30 in the morning in Heinz Field. But... A large part of me says it's fair to wonder, and I, th- I think it really is. Well, you touched on something that I, I actually had this conversation with somebody pregame in the dining room where we are talking about Baker's future, and, and I said, if you're Andrew Barry and Paul DiBodesta, maybe not Paul because Paul seems to be able to survive regime after regime, but certainly Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, you know this owner's got a quick trigger. Do you really want to hitch your future to Baker Mayfield? Because if he is your quarterback next year, you may all be gone next year. Yeah. It'd be if this goes if you don't have full faith and confidence in him now. And that's I'm really curious to see how this goes. How, what does Jimmy Haslam think about Baker? Because obviously that was a John Dorsey pick. Where does Jimmy think? Because if if you are if you are Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and you aren't sold on him, but you can't find anything better, and you got to bring him back next year, now you all could be thrown out at the end of next season when the contract's up and, and and when it's time to fire the coach and look for someone else. And that's what, to me, that drives home the point even more why I think he's gone because these guys know that the owner is over there tapping his foot and twiddling his thumbs. And do you really want to give him any ammo to make a move? Because I agree with you. I don't think anyone's getting fired this year. I think that would be outrageously stupid because at some point you got to put your foot in the ground and 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 buy into somebody that you've hired. And you have to give them a real opportunity. And the reigning coach of the year seems like a pretty good one to give a real opportunity to, even though he was dog shit tonight and it was horse shit for most of the season. And I'm not defending it anymore. But you can't keep spinning this wheel and doing this over and over and over again. Uh, you you got you got to stand behind someone and you've got to back somebody. But if I'm those guys, man, I don't know that I want to be going into battle with Baker Mayfield with my, the, my future in the NFL writing on him. Well, you absolutely dumped. Um, very well said, and, and two thoughts off of that. One, I mean, I, I think I've said it. I certainly have said it to you. I don't know if I've said it on the mic or not, right? Like, it was clear that we're headed next year to where Stefanski was probably not going to want to play with this guy with his job on the line. But it's more than Stefanski. It's, it's organizationally because this window yep. is supposed to be open, right? And, like, when the quarterback, it's a lot easier, or, or, you know, it's a lot easier to pick out the warts and the misses that everybody has. They're everywhere when the quarterback's playing poorly and you're not meeting expectations than when you're winning, which is the great, the ultimate deodorant, right? Um, secondly, I, I, I have read the tweets and I've heard the cries. I had previously never thought that the reigning coach of the year was struggling play calling because it was too big for him in, in, in addition to being the head coach, right? But clearly tonight's game plan was so broken 
and so bad and so panic-induced and headed nowhere, then maybe that's the case. So if that's the case, it worries me that it's a lot more than him just saying to Alex Van Pelt, you call the plays and I'll manage the game, right? Because I think that's a sign of a lot better, bigger issues than, than the head coach can just relinquish one thing. But, like, you guys are right. Like, I'm watching the Steelers' defense know what the Browns are doing. I'm watching tonight, and even though the offense was worse, believe it or not, I, it feels similar. Special teams miscue, leads the points. Defense plays its ass off. One penalty leaves the points. Everybody has to play so tight because every group has such a small margin for error because the offense is so bad. Operationally, it looks nothing like last year, Jason, when they were so carefree and so prepared and so disciplined, right? Um, I hear you guys on the coach. The coach went from coach of the year deserved, didn't give much his team much of a chance tonight. And if his underlying message is we don't have a chance with this quarterback, I believe it. I've been screaming it. I'm with you. But, <laughs> but man, you can't pass that buck. You can only pass that buck to a certain point, I guess is what I'm saying. And, like, these are all things that I've thought about and talked about and, you know, written and discussed. But even in the first half tonight, Jason, I didn't think we were going here in the podcast. I, I guess maybe I was just deluded to the thought that the season's over, the season's crashed. The Browns might or might not be the league's most disappointing team, but they have disappointed in what an arrow that looked like it was pointing straight up, despite some outstanding individual performances and despite a roster that you wouldn't trade for any of the previous 23 years roster. I mean, this this tonight feels feels like absolutely as low as it can get. It's the most talented team in the division, as far as I'm concerned, top to bottom, one through 53. I still th- they're more talented than, than the Bengals as far as I'm not a quarterback and, and not a receiver. And, and maybe that's the difference. Maybe that's why the Bengals are 10-6 and six and winning the division and, and the Browns are not. But I, I'd still take the Browns roster, one through 53, over anyone else in the division. But their quarterback, for for <laughs> – all their efforts, they still have the maybe the fourth best quarterback in the division. Still, uh, I don't know. Ben's pretty awful, but Baker and Ben, depending on the week, can can yeah oscillate between three and four. Yeah, this this, I, this was as bad as it gets tonight. <laughs> that's yeah, that's on coaching. I mean, when you have arguably the best roster in the division and and you're in last place in the division, you have to put that on coaching. There's nowhere else to put it, and I just can't defend him anymore. Again, I don't think he should be fired. I think that's silly and outrageous, and but you can never rule anything out with, when the where the Browns are concerned. I just think that would really be a knee-jerk emotional overreaction. You have to see this thing through. You have to play this out. Uh, this guy was terrific last year. I understand it's a new year, but I also think that they lost faith in their quarterback a long time ago, so you let him go get who he wants, whoever's available, and you judge them on next year based on that. Yeah. Again, like box score scouting is what, you know, terrible radio shows with terrible callers do. Um, it's never as easy. But I can sit here and scream. Nick Chubb only getting 12 carries. Nick Chubb only getting four carries in the first half. It's it's inexcusable. It's terrible. Zach, do you, is, there, is there any chance that – He's telling the truth because he never reveals anything. For him to say Nick was banged up in the first half, is there any chance that this was? It's like Ted Ginn against Florida, where the entire game plan went out the window on the on the kickoff return for the touchdown because the main guy went out 
is there any chance that that they were going to run the ball and then when Nick goes out, they go, oh, shit, now what? I mean, Dearness Johnson's more than proven he's a capable NFL back. Yeah. But I just I just wonder if, if, if he's telling the truth. And, again, he never reveals anything. So I have to believe that there's some truth to that, that it just sort of the whole thing went out the window at that point. Uh, he got six carries in the third quarter, so I don't know. Did, did he get some B-pollen and get healed real quick or, or what? <laughs> right? So I, I wrote about this sequence, Jason. I told you that the Browns get the ball back. You know, first of all, it's like I said, the, the thing that's most maddening is even though they feels like they were down 28 to 3, they were only down 10 to nothing. Yeah. Then, then they're or 13 to nothing, whatever it is. That then they're only down 13 to 7. They get the ball back with one point two seconds left in the third quarter. And I look at you and I say, Dearness is in. Well, I know almost all year long, Chubb sits to start the fourth. It's part of the rotation. They've implemented it. But so whether that play where you know you're getting a free rest or not, you have to run the ball there. They take a five-yard sack, so they start the fourth quarter in second and 15. Then they come out, they, they pick up a first down, then they get holding and it ends in three. But Chubb never comes off the, the bench. Like, you have to be willing to break – like, that is to go win the game, that drive right there. Ben's not going on, on another – on a 70-yard drive. Ben is not beating you, right? Like – Chris Boswell beat you, and TJ. Well, obviously, TJ Watt beat the shit out of you. L- l- <laughs> you know, little accumulations of things. The twenty-one yard punt beats you because it makes it a two-score game, and that's how freaking terrible your offense is, <laughs> right? Yeah. But like right there, you have to say, "Oh my gosh, look how terribly this has gone!" And there's fifteen minutes left, and we're right in this game. I need to run my best plays with my best players right then and there, and it, it was. But you get like you hear what I'm saying about his freshness. Like there was one play, then there was a quarter break. The Steelers had just had the ball. He's ready to go. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no. Excuse. I guess they're saving him. I guess they're saving him for the 2022 playoffs at this point because it's been maddening all year the way that they've limited Chubb's carries, and we've talked about it. You've talked about it at length. Stefanski said it over the summer. There's a plan in place, trying to keep him fresh, trying to keep his legs fresh for this moment. For January, well, now it doesn't matter because January doesn't matter. So I guess now they're preparing them for the 2022 or 2023 playoffs. So like, I, I don't know. Listen, there are some people who believe that this team is 80 or 90 percent analytically based, right? And some of those people believe that it's the too much of their decisions is is based on that stuff, and that's why, like that that would point to Chubb not playing here because you're not deviating from his snap count, and that would point to. Coming up, which I guess the fancy's not going to say it, but like we're we were willing to concede some things in this game because the game was meaningless, and so Chubb was on a snap count, right? So I, that's the only way I can answer can answer that right now, right? And, and I know people who I trust when I try to find out what's really going on, what's making this team tick, and what's holding them back. You know, that's what they said that this team is more more run by the data than anyone wants to really talk about maybe that's the case right um i don't know i i went to someone earlier who i trust who's been in been on teams been in locker rooms been part of this knows knows what it's supposed to look like right and i basically said you know what I, what i said here the new england game was the turning point the defense has responded the offense is flat lines the body language sucks the, what what and the response was here I agree. I think COVID hurt a little bit as well, but the defense has really started to come together. 
It was just an imperfect storm all around this year. Still, Baker had opportunities to lead this team back, and he did not do that on multiple occasions. The Green Bay game, his footwork is awful, and he missed multiple easy throws. I think that sticks with upper management and key decision makers. I think they're going to exhaust all opportunities to upgrade the position. I just think everyone's exhausted. I think a lot of change is coming. That was before tonight. you don't want to judge. You don't want to judge off one game, <laughs> right? But like, like I said, if I only had, if I would have had five minutes to write after the game instead of an hour or whatever it was, I would have said, of course the Browns lost because Nick Chubb only got twelve carries, and of course the Browns lost because the offense stinks and the special teams and the defense each have one fuck up and the offense can't overcome it because that feels like six other podcasts we've done after games this year. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, we will talk about quarterbacks and I have one plan that I think is best for them. I don't think anyone knows what plan will be viable. I think there's going to be arguments internally. I think there's going to be construction of plans C, B, D, and E or C, D, E, and F. I don't even, I'm just a public school kid. It's, Six hours past my bedtime, sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Here, but I leave here tonight even more sure that Baker Mayfield's not going to be back. And I leave here tonight less sure of much of anything else. Because that game plan and that game management was inexcusably bad. So unless there was some upper-level sign-off, and maybe this isn't all the way to ownership, maybe this is all the way to Deep Podesta and the GM, and everybody else that's in charge. There maybe was some agreement that were, that Nick Chubb's not going to play. But Miles and Clowney still played. Denzel played till he got yep. hurt, right? Like, that's yep. the other thing. You yep. lost Denzel and Grady in this game. You lost all confidence from your rookie right tackle who's never going to get over this. Like, you lost a lot of shit today. Maybe it's ultimately an organizational game the moment Baker w- walks out the door. And if you've ever listened to me on this podcast, you know that I think that in a vacuum anyway. Right. <laughs> but I I mean, I just see this loss as the, the organization itself is in much better shape than, you know, four years ago when they walked out of here after Corey Coleman dropped that ball and they didn't win a damn game. But, man, over the last couple of years, this this is rock bottom because structurally it stinks and visually it stinks and emotionally it stinks and the quarterback stinks and the offense stinks. <laughs> That's all I got. I, I, I have nothing else to add to that. That's a pretty good way to end it. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we don't know what day it is. We will have more podcasts. We'll have we'll have this covered, right? Um, the season's over. We appreciate you sticking with us, but there is one game left, and uh, it'll be interesting to see next week. Do we hear from the GM? Do we hear from the owner? You know, given the uncertainty – not that they answer anything anyway. Given the uncertainty of quarterback, I don't know. You know, do we ever see or hear from the quarterback again? Because he could just be placed on IR on Wednesday if he's not going to play. That would get him out of his media, the next, media obligations. The too. next time, the next time you hear from Baker, he'll be in Carolina or wherever. I really believe that. I, I do. I, I like. I I leave here tonight really sort of convinced. And, and I mean, it's just you and I talking. Maybe that's what's convinced me. But I think this was the last game Baker played for the Browns was tonight. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. Uh, we'll end on that note. This has been Civilized Barking, and we will talk to you soon.